Hey, everybody, welcome to Thursday. Huge show for you today. Huge show for you today. You know we had to do it. We actually got formal charges against scam bank run frauds top lieutenants. <laughs> they have apparently flipped on him and pled guilty. Yeah, massive drop from the SEC today. We're going to break it down. SDNY is not for play. And uh, mm -hmm. we're going to break down three very important hot takes. Uh, spoiler alert. Mm, I'm number two and number three on the hot takes. Molly wins. Aww, the hot take I got one. You did it. Uh, and one. then Lon Harris is on the show to talk about streaming. Yeah, we got YouTube securing the rights to NFL Sunday ticket for two billion a year. And we're going to talk about uh, who this is the important loss leader for in the streaming world and who might just say like, you know what, you can have it at that price. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Yep. And then back to A.O. Scott Gate, his top <laughs> 10 list. We picked another film. Uh, it's a film called Tar. It's incredibly topical. It has a lot to do with the online uh, brigading communities, but it actually turns out to be an absolutely fantastic film. We're going to go into detail about it for about 20 minutes, and then mm -hmm. uh, we'll stop there. And we have a special announcement at the end of the program of what we did with the additional 40 minutes of our TAR debate discussion. It's going to be a great show. Great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Odoo. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever, and right now, Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit at odoo.com slash twist. Embroker. The Embroker startup insurance program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at embroker.com slash twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code twist. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Thursday. Molly, we thought, hey, you know, we'll just go right into Christmas. The mountains yeah. behind me. I chill. should jump on and do a little slopes. We chill. And then what happens? We're not chilling. I said it. The Southern District of New York. Yes. Read Navarra's Never mess. Juliana's Never mess. Never mess with SDNY. SDNY has... Uh, not only do we have news that apparently SBF himself, Sam Bankman-Fried, is in FBI custody on his way to the United States being extradited. Charges were dropped uh, today, I believe, Thursday. Not dropped. Against. <laughs> Wait, let's do announced. that again. Drop announced. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not like, I meant like the album. Yeah. Right. right okay, charges good. were announced. Announced. Thank you. They didn't drop <laughs> the charges. They're building the charges. Leave this in. <laughs> Man, American language has gotten so confusing, hasn't it? Well, you know, the kids these legal days? terms of art. It's a legal term of art. You know yes. how like out of pocket used to just mean I'm not available right now and now it means yes. you've lost your damn mind? Like, you can't keep up. I anyway. think the Stanford list, did you see the Stanford list of words to just try to change that the, everybody's <laughs> having like a conniption over? No, but I'm going to have to look because that's one of There's them. There's out of pocket thing. Stanford created a, this is, leave this in the show, it's hilarious. Stanford made a list, the, the college, of yeah, like, here are, they created a, just lest anybody think, because <laughs> it's so fantastical, it sounds like an SNL satire. They put a committee together to say, hey, what are problematic words or things we could do better with? Now, obviously, right. you don't want to say certain words like, you know, we understand like there's uh, stuff they, we're leaving out now da, 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 you don't have da, to give da, examples, da, da, da. right? Yeah. Like there's a baseball team called uh, the Redskins and they, they, we changed the name out of respect. Mm -hmm. It's the right thing to do. So they're coming up with names like that, right? But like they're literally giving guidance like uh, losing your mind, um, having a hard time understanding and they, they literally give you the words. 
for people who've gotten into Harvard to Stanford of how to use words that maybe don't make people with mental illness feel bad about themselves. And I'm just, I mean, the, the internet's going insane over it. Of course it is. Ugh, but it's only because it it's is. so comprehensive. It's like a very comprehensive. Well, and it's so, list. oh dear. Yes. It, it's a raw shock test of like, yeah. Oh. So walk in versus drop in. Walk, walk in, in trivializes people with disabilities. Yeah. So this is where we're at. I just, okay. let's keep I don't going. Know why this let's just drop. Let's just stop. Let's just we stop. Have to stop. I don't anyway, want to get into language policing. Oh no. Charges have been announced. Thank you. Against Alameda <laughs> co-CEO Caroline Ellison, who I think is the most interesting, intriguing, and mysterious figure in this whole thing. And FTX co-founder Gary Wang, who mm-hmm. pled guilty to those charges. They have both flipped. And pleading guilty and have pled guilty to federal charges in the Southern District of New York. I believe they are both uh, fraud charges. Simultaneously, mm-hmm. the SEC and the CFTC filed a civil, aka mm-hmm. non-criminal complaints in which two of SBF's top lieutenants, I assume this is Ellison and Wang, it is, yes. ratted him out. And here is an 80-second clip from, US Atter- from the U.S. Attorney at the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams. Last week, we announced charges against Samuel Bankman-Fried for a sweeping fraud scheme that contributed to FTX's collapse, and for a campaign finance scheme that sought to influence public policy in Washington. As I said last week, this investigation is very much ongoing, and it's moving very quickly. I also said that last week's announcement would not be our last. And let me be clear once again, neither is today's. I want to make two announcements. First, I'm announcing that the Southern District of New York has filed charges against Caroline Ellison, the former CEO of Alameda Research, and Gary Wong, a co-founder of FTX, in connection with their roles in the frauds that contributed to FTX's collapse. Both Ms. Ellison and Mr. Wong have pled guilty to those charges, and they are both cooperating with the Southern District of New York. Let me reiterate a call that I made last week. If you participated in misconduct at FTX or Alameda, now is the time to get ahead of it. We are moving quickly, and our patience is not eternal. Second, I'm announcing that Samuel Bankman-Fried is now in FBI custody and is on his way back to the United States. He will be transported directly to the Southern District of New York, and he will appear in court before a judge in this district as soon as possible. Many individuals in the Bahamas and in the United States contributed to the swiftness of the defendant's return. And I want to thank the Bahamas for its outstanding assistance and excellent coordination with us. We continue to work around the clock, and we are far from done. This is what you have to know about SDNY. They're career prosecutors. When they say your name, you are effed. <laughs> I mean, you could, you see the level of seriousness. Yeah. Let me be clear. It's terrifying. I mean, that is some scary stuff. And we are not done. He says we Wong, by the way, done. which it probably is. I said Gary Wang, but it probably is Wong, realistically. It's spelled W-A-N-G. But yes, our patience is not eternal. Ooh. Like when he tells people, come flip now, come get flip the best now. deal. He's saying right I'm, now, I'm, best deal, two for one. You know, you want to get out with five years or do you want to get 25? That's really what I think mm-hmm. um, his co-conspirators are looking at right now. You always flip to the top. This is the strategy of SDNY. You flip the low level people, you work your way up to the big fish. The people who flip first get the best deal because they make it easier to wrap things up and move on to the next prosecution. That's why I'm talking about my girl, Carolyn Ellison. Say well, more. While Sam Bankman-Fried was on his ill-advised media tour, Carolyn Ellison got her ass to New York and flipped Mm -hmm. immediately. 
And Gary Wong seems to have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. The only mistake that he made that my girl Carolyn did not make is uh-huh. his name is on all of this stuff. Ooh. He like, wrote the back door. Is that is he that? wrote? I think he's the guy who wrote the back door. He was a 10% owner in Alameda mm-hmm. where, you know, Sam Eggman-Fried owned 90%. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just all I think Carolyn, my prediction is that Carolyn gets the best deal here because she is the mastermind. <laughs> She's yes, the brains she's the, of this she's operation. She's the actual Lex Luthor. Is your, she's the actual. <laughs> but she flipped early and often. <laughs> she flipped immediately. You she was like, like have fun on, at deal book. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Roadrunner. Exactly. Straight to SDNY. Looking for a better way to manage your company without tons of expensive disconnected software? Then you need Odoo. Odoo is an affordable, all-in-one management software with a massive suite of fully integrated applications designed to handle any unique business need. Sounds great, right? Well, it gets even better. Odoo is now offering all of their award-winning application services and maintenance for under $25. That's right. For less than $25, you get 100% of Odoo for 90% less than the average market price. And Odoo is so much more than a world-famous ERP, that's Enterprise Resource Planner. Odoo has over 80 applications for everything your company will ever need. We're talking CRM, marketing, accounting, manufacturing, inventory, you name it, Odoo's got it. So as your business grows and your needs change, Odoo will be there every step of the way with dozens of user-friendly solutions to choose from, and you get it all for under $25. To learn more, go to odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O.com slash twist. Get more done in less time for a fraction of the price with Odoo. Do you remember though a couple of weeks ago? I think this was when we had Sunny uh, Sandeep, Sunny Sandeep and um uh, Vinny on. Yeah. There was like a picture of her getting a cup of coffee in New York. And everyone's yeah. like, well, that's peculiar. Is that really her? No, <laughs> she's, not. Was. She, she's not. She's, she's gone to Moscow. She must be in like North Korea. She's somewhere with a dictator or Hong Kong, somewhere where she can get not extradited. Nope. Yeah. Nope. She was in Chelsea getting a, getting a latte. Yeah. She, she did not listen to her getting... parents. She got a real lawyer. <laughs> there she, she got is. got a real kid. lawyer and they gave her good advice. Mm-hmm. Listen, this is going to be extraordinary. There she is getting her coffee. Um, they, the, the, the complaint details a number of things. The SEC maybe, complaint does. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe just a couple of highlights here, because I don't think this is new news. Molly, correct me if I'm wrong. This is just confirmation of the stuff everybody was saying, mm-hmm. allegedly, allegedly, and letting this kid be on every podcast, every giving keynotes, that deal yeah. book, blah, 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 softball questions from Andrew Ross Sorkin, all this nonsense. All of it turns out to be true. Pretty much all turns out to be true. That's or the high allegedly. level. Mm. The, well, that's the high level. Yes, exactly. The high level takeaway uh, from the civil complaint okay. filed by the SEC and criminal charges are yet to follow. Okay. Uh, related to all of this. But the high level takeaway is that everything it is a direct contradiction to everything that he has said. For example, okay. yes, he did. According to this complaint, uh, mm-hmm. Sam Bankman-Fried did indeed divert customer deposits from FTX straight to Alameda through the back door that was built by Gary Wong, SBF's co-founder at FTX. Is that it Wong Carolyn, or Wang? It's spelled W-A-N-G. So it's it spelled be W-A-N-G, but that, I'm going to go with what the SDNY prosecutor he said, said. He said Wong. Okay. So I'm going to go Let's with make that. sure we get it right. Okay. Yeah. Make sure. My, my, um, my, my dyslexia is going crazy. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, yeah, totally. But I think like, yeah, anyway, I'm going, I'm going with, 
Okay, we've heard both. Okay, we'll go with that. We've SDNY. heard both. We've heard both, okay. but I'm going with SDNY because I don't want to get in trouble. Trying to Carolyn do Ellison, the co CEO. Criminal masterminds who stole billions of dollars. We're trying to be. <laughs> I know, right? We're like, well, I just want to get his name right. You want to pronounce your name correctly before you go to jail for 10 years. Yeah, no, my radio like brain is pinging like crazy. It's driving me crazy, but I'm going with yeah. what he said. So we at least have consistency in the show. The complaint yes. also alleges that Carolyn Ellison, the co CEO of Alameda, used customer deposits to trade at Alameda. Shaq, that was another thing they were trying to pretend wasn't happening. And that Sam Bankman Fried himself used customer deposits to make investments, donate to politicians, and buy mm -hmm. real estate. So that not only okay. did they commit what the SEC is calling securities fraud by commingling these funds, but that he actually used customer deposits to just like live the high life and buy politicians. And that's where additional charges about around, um, I think there are going to be some charges. I don't know if they dropped here, but I was seeing speculation online about doing when you try to pay off politicians i don't know if it's bribery but there is some some charges that could relate to that oh my lord i do think the sec is going to have some interesting charges here around the ftt token yeah uh because it does seem at the core well, yeah, we'll get to that too yeah mm -hmm. yeah please uh, cue it up then because that to well, yeah, me has so always they... been the issue um in exactly crypto writ large so first of all he used the deposits as his personal piggy bank but second uh, it says that the SB that SBF ordered Carolyn Ellison to make automated purchases mm -hmm. of FTT across various platforms to yes. increase Alameda's collateral, Ooh. which then allowed them to borrow more. So just a pure manipulation of this already fictional thing to make it look more valuable mm -hmm. so that they could then borrow against it, which is just complete. Like capital F fraud, if true, yes. if true. FTT, of course, was FTX, FTX's platform token, and Alameda controlled most of the supply of it, mm -hmm. and then also used as their collateral. So the more it was worth, the more they could borrow. And then the SEC, and this is the biggie, mm -hmm. declared FTT a security. Okay. And they are officially oh, alleging securities fraud. Yes. Boom. The SEC, okay, because this is going to get confusing. There's an SC, there are SEC charges, and then there are going to be criminal charges. This is all a moving target right now, but the SEC right. has said it's a token. And okay, its civil now, complaint said it's a security. Now, right now, it's bad. anybody it's bad, bad. anybody who has a token right now, who used the token in any way to build consensus around the token's validity, and I'll explain what this means in a moment, right now needs to lawyer up. You may remember, I did an emergency podcast about Ripple. Ripple mm -hmm. also released, right? Uh, that company, their token. Yeah. They then used that token to, they gave it to venture capitalists to start funds. They gave it to donations. They, they were the original splashy cashies. Pull up the Ripple complaint from the SEC. They took a currency and they used it, in my mind, to build consensus, which is a generous way. Other people might interpret it. I'm using very clear language here, Molly. You understand? Uh, we're professionals. Allegedly. Allegedly. No, but it is in the SEC complaint. In, the, uh, in this case, yes. No, totally. In this case. Mm -hmm. But some right. people might generously say, oh, you're building consensus around, just like we do in venture capital. Everybody invests in a company, right? The more people who invested in Uber, the greater the chance you have more people rooting for Uber. The more people who buy Google right. stock, the more people rooting for Google. Okay, yeah. It's a security. And if you play by the rules, you're building consensus amongst the investment yes. community that this is the best bet to make. Now, what happens when you do that, but you break all of the securities laws in the world? 
then it's fraud. That's right. So if I, and everybody told me, Jake, when this stuff was coming out, let's make Jcoin. You're popular. You've got a <laughs> podcast. You invest in startups. We'll God. do Jcoin. And I was getting pitched left and right. And I would joke about it. I'm going to create Jcoin. And you know, it's going to be worth a billion dollars. And then they were like, yeah, create Jcoin. And then give Jcoin to every company you invest in. So you give them, you know, you invest a million Jcoins and you give the founders a million Jcoins and then the LPs and your fund get Jcoins. And it was like, I was like, um, that seems like illegal <laughs> to like me for me to print my own currency that has no value and then pretend it has value. And I was like, so I laughed about it. And you can look at this podcast transcripts and be joking about Jcoin for the last 10 years. Yeah. Ripple also did all of these donations and paying people off uh perhaps would be one way to say it to build consensus around the ripple coin right that's what yeah. you want to do when you have a project right all these uh crypto projects are about building consensus well how do you build consensus you get more people to have ownership in it guess what bored apes what's right. the difference between what bored exactly. apes did by giving celebrities my understanding i don't know if this is true is that many of these i'll, I'll broaden it here take bored apes off the table Mm-hmm. Many of the NFT projects would give NFTs at discounts for free anywhere in between to celebrities to get them to mm-hmm. put as their avatars on Twitter or other places to then get civilians to buy it. Well, and, and to that's be clear, at the core of the Ponzi scheme. A product. That's like a that's a that's a product marketing thing, right? Anytime right. you introduce a new product in the world, if I had been the inventor of Swiffer. I would have gone to market with my product in exactly the same way. And you give free stuff to influencers and you do that with your new restaurant. And that's all completely accepted in the world of creating and selling products. And then on the other hand, you have this token that you are financializing. You're lending against it. You're getting people to invest in it. You are artificially inflating its value so that you can borrow against it and use it as collateral. You're selling it, right? So that's where we're going to start to see. Right. Exactly. Printing more of it. Printing more of it. And then creating automatic buys so that it looks super valuable because you're creating artificial demand. So like the SEC is basically saying, look, everybody knows that in the world there are Swiffers and there are securities. And a security looks like this. And I think it's so interesting what Gary Gensler did here in the SEC by saying consistently, right? Consistently, they were like, This is what a security is. Mm -hmm. Your job, creators of securities, is to follow the law. Right. And he let everybody walk right into the trap. Exactly. He's like, here's our driver's license. You have a car with insurance. Here are the rules of the road. Mm -hmm. Good luck. You took your driver's license exam. You got your driver's license. There are a bunch of signs that explain how to drive and you took the test. Exactly. If you chose to drive on the wrong side of the road, if you choose to, you know, break the speed limit, and you decided to have a couple of pops before you got behind the wheel, that's on you, whether that's you're on you. Ripple, whether you're FTX, whoever. And I'm not saying Ripple is a fraud or a giant scam. But the SEC is going after them too. And this right. is what I'll tell you. Sometimes I'm wrong. You ever been in a relationship, Molly, where <laughs> you're in love and you have a deep relationship? And you and your partner uh, have a difference of opinion. And then you're wrong. And then it comes out clearly you were wrong. You know what my partner does for me? She goes, see? (laughs) So we have a joke. (laughs) We have a joke. So when I'm wrong about something, she pokes me in my ribs and says, see? 
Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it's it particularly in the ribs. It stings. It, it stings a little bit. Yeah. Not yeah. so much because I have a finger between two ribs and it's incredibly sensitive as a human, but because the C yeah. means I was dead to rights wrong. I and mean, it's just a, a running joke. This is Gary Gensler. That's adorable. See? This is his moment. Exactly. This is a Gary Gensler. He's like, I told you. And I want everybody who hears fans of This Week in Startups to make it a meme. When you're right, Molly's been right about a lot of things. We're just going to do a quick see. See? Gary Gensler has a see moment. And he is, if you gave coins nfts any of this grifty stuff if you gave it out splashy cashy like ftx did, man, you got a lawyer up now yeah you got to figure out because they're gonna they're gonna go right down the line they start with the 30 billion dollar fraud then they go to the 10 then they go to the two they got many of these coming um and you know what i'm glad i yeah. sitting here playing by the rules clean it up i kind of sit here play by the rules it's really infuriating to yep. play the startup investing capital allocator game for the last 10 years. I'll be totally frank. I've been jealous mm-hmm. of watching the crypto people run amok with a vision of, hey, people should be able to do what they want to do with their money. People should be able to make transactions. I wish that I could say I'm investing, you know, from our fund a quarter million dollars in this. Anybody on the planet who wants to join us can put in $1,000. Go here. I wish that was fluid and easy like crypto made it. Right. I wish I had that. I am jealous of it. I, that's the vision I have for how the securities should grow. And mm-hmm. these idiots, criminals, grifters have ruined it for the people yeah. who play by the rules. It's literally like we have to drive 55 miles an hour. Right. Cars are safer now. We should be able to drive 75. That should be the speed limit. And but all you, you dum-dums. But all you dum-dums have to be on your goddamn phones or drinking and you can't stay in the lane and you're eating a slice of pizza putting on your makeup you're drinking a beer smoking, smoking a joint pie. smoking yeah. a jay having an edible and now the speed limit's got to be 55 yeah. and in europe yeah you, know, you want to go on the autobahn you decide how fast you go because everybody's got a good car that they maintain etc the speeding limit is now limited for the rest of us because of you criminals i hope you go to jail for life sbf Literally, a life sentence is the minimum for me to be satisfied here. And for these other two knuckleheads, 15 years will be the minimum, even with the plea deals, for me to feel justice was done. If they get under 10, I will absolutely be infuriated. They need to get 10 minimum. And I'm not talking 10 sentence. I'm talking 10 serve. Listen, I've been dealing with business insurance for three decades. I kid you not. Switching providers has always been a nightmare. Too expensive, takes too much time, and and often doesn't guarantee you're going to get any better coverage. But now, you can make switching radically simple with Embroker. Embroker is the perfect destination for industry-tailored commercial insurance. It's business insurance specifically for startups. Yes, you're listening to This Week in Startups. That's why they're here. That's why we're here. Embroker's single application will help your startup get four quotes for four lines of coverage in but 15 minutes. They match you with expert brokers for unmatched service that goes well beyond your policy. And listen, Embroker is so amazing. I use it. Again, it's just like a testimonial here. I use it. I love it. My team loves it. Makes life easy. Try Embroker today with the code TWIST and you get 10% off their startup package. Embroker.com slash TWIST. 
Embroker, E-M-B-R-O-K-E-R.com slash twist and use that promo code twist for 10% off. We love the product. Thanks for supporting us for so many years here at This Week in Startups. Yeah. And uh, they what need to be gray hairs when they get out. What do you this think about disgusting. Sonny and Vinny are not here today to talk about this with us, but they did uh, send us a little note earlier, a link to a Twitter thread suggesting that if uh, tokens are securities, I'm just pulling this up now from Compound 248. Quick aside, and this is in a thread that's summarizing these SEC charges. And the, this person noted, quick aside, unrelated to FTX, if tokens are securities, many, many people broke the law. Entrepreneurs, promoters, and yikes, prominent venture capitalists. I'd watch out here. We may see VCs in handcuffs. Okay. This is the, the, this is like the tricky thing about, mm. like, again, the SEC is not retroactively declaring FTT a security, right? What they're saying is this was a security all along. Here yep. were the rules. You're the one smoking pot in the car while you're driving. Yep. What do I personally, I think I would eat my hat before prominent VCs ended up in handcuffs over this. They will not end up in handcuffs. But it Unless is an interesting question. Sure. Because a lot has been happening with tokens okay. and Here, here's some firms. Um, the people who committed the crimes, mm -hmm. obviously, they go to jail. Yeah. The people who were involved in the periphery will pay fines because they didn't commit the crimes. But they were on the periphery of the crimes. And in some way, that might have enabled it in some way. Yep. And if there is some connection that can be made, there's still you still have to go to court, you still have to go to trial. So remember when all the banking stuff happened in 2008? <laughs> yeah. How many and people no, you, you nobody went to jail? marketplace? This is your yeah. you tell me, educate me, please, Molly. How many of those people wound up doing a perp work in handcuffs? I think one person went to jail in a financial crisis that encapsulated the entire world. And Okay. The, and if like, you were lack of trust in institutions and the overall reputational damage that has been done as a result of that is like incalculable. Okay. And you know what? There's kids sitting in jail right now who have 10 years for, you know, selling a little bit of weed, mm -hmm. maybe slinging some rock, whatever yeah. it is. You know, we have to really have a deep look at the justice system and make sure that, you know, and I think this is what SDNY does particularly well. I'll give them credit for this. Mm -hmm. We need to understand the justice system and understand the actual harm to society. A kid selling crack in the projects or some kid selling weed on campus and they get 10 years, they get five years. And then these people, and, and what damage did they cause? Yeah. What damage did they actually cause? I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying it's not a crime. They broke the rules. They get something. But when you compare some of these sentences, you know, we have to make sure that white collar criminals get the book thrown at them proportional. Theranos made I mean, off. Bless you, man. Bless you. SBI. But they Let's never really have, have before. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's infuriating to Theranos me. Theranos had the book thrown at him because her own investors, who enabled the whole freaking thing, yes. sued her. You right? Know, like, Theranos, they went down because their investors came for them, but no investors ever go down. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to be super cynical here, but yeah. like, Sam Bankman Fried is accused of, and, you know, his co founders, yeah. they are accused of very real crimes that they committed, mm -hmm. and they are not in a vacuum. Restitution is important in this case. Yeah. If you were an investor, let's, I'm not going to pick any specific venture firms. I'm not going to put it on anybody, but let's say you were a venture firm and uh, you um, backed a token or mm -hmm. an NFT project. Let's say you got a bunch of NFTs because you were part of it, right? You're like, okay, we're, we're going to put a hundred million into this NFT project. 
and we're get we're going to have first shot at these and these nfts and let's say the nfts take off and you sell them you know they were securities you're amongst the most sophisticated so what should happen uh a sanction is what should happen mm-hmm. and what that could be so this is the equivalent of the perp walk in this case you didn't commit like the most heinous crime of all etc you're not going to go to jail but yeah. you could get banned from being on the board of a publicly traded company you could get banned from being in the securities industry you could be banned from being a venture capitalist basically you get banned from raising funds so it is conceivable here i don't think it's probable i think it's possible that we could see a venture capitalist an investor an angel investor whatever if they were to have flipped securities as part of their plea deal mm-hmm. if this does get to that point i could see this happening with ripple I could see executives at a company like that that are, you know, in a lawsuit with the SEC. I could see them settling in the way Henry Blodgett did. If you remember the Henry Blodgett case, he was banned from for life, I believe. Uh, somebody can pull it up. Uh, yeah. My memory. I think he got banned for life for from being in the securities industry. I think so. Something Didn't like stop that. Mm-hmm. him from building Business Insider into a couple hundred million dollar business. Right. But he was technically banned from being on a publicly traded company's board and doing securities, I believe. So, so you know, mm-hmm. this is a this is a possibility, but not a probability. I don't think you can go after VCs for making investments in companies that wind up being frauds. I don't know what crime there actually is there. Right. But you could have sanctions unless that occur. they got tokens. Unless they sold, then it gets yeah. a little right. Like if they were That's issued tokens ahead of the public, and then they maybe if, sold them, or they were involved in pumping those them. tokens. That's where if the, they the sold them is where it gets tricky. Them. I don't think if they got them, that would be a crime. It'd be like you know, if I joined, a, if I invested in a video game company and they gave me a bunch of mana in the video game, right? You know, or digital assets right. in the game. Am I guilty of anything? I don't think no, so. No, but those aren't securities. But they do have tradable value, and and that's yeah. where I think a settlement occurs. Right. Totally. It's like, do you want to take this to court? And like 12 people in a jury are like, I'm sorry, you got a mythical sword that you traded. Like, that's how a defense might put up their defense, right? Yeah. And I think it winds up being a hung jury. And, it, you know, like, all you need is one person to be like, well, I believe in crypto. And I don't think that's a security. It's just a token. And people yeah. understood it. So very hard to prosecute that. Very it's easy very hard. to prosecute the and person I will who say, orchestrated it. One last point for me, at least on this entire Meshuggah mm-hmm. is that if I were a central bank or Mm -hmm. a financial institution that did not want crypto to come and disrupt my entire lifeblood of the global economy, I could not have engineered a better situation than FTX and the downfall of Sam Bankman-Fried. Because just like to your point about 55 miles an hour, now all the rules come in. Mm -hmm. Like if if I am a Bitcoin purist, if I'm a decentralized missionary and what i want is to overthrow this like fiat control Mm -hmm. i have just lost a decade Mm -hmm. in that fight because of this i thought i was going to have the hot take on this you beat me you're right thanks you you get you get the number one hot take for this my hot take which is now by default coming in second (laughs) you got damn son i thought i had this i feel bad (sighs) man (laughs) shoot no i had two hot takes (laughs) Gary Gensler now has the C, but I think you have the better C, because now (laughs) if you are Goldman Sachs, you could be like, C. yeah, we told you that this should be regulated. So Gary, now my Gary Gensler take automatically moves to number two, because they are the beneficiary of this. Nobody can do these. Nobody can compete with them. Because every time it comes up, they're going to say, oh, you can complain about Goldman Sachs. You can complain about, you know, whatever, you know, financial institution, all you want, Chase, 
whatever bank of america oh we put out too many cards the fees on the cards at least we didn't build a back door to steal everybody's money like wells fargo is literally out here paying more billion dollar fines more billion dollar fines for just scamming people whatever and now now crypto is the one with the black eye you know now they have the c yeah okay yeah we charge for fees okay yeah maybe our fees were too much but we didn't steal we charge fees see right gansler's got his c and then here's sbf's this is what I believe SBF's defense is going to be. I thought this would be the hot take. You can rank our hot takes on Twitter, everybody. Yeah, Molly there you go. Jason me. Here's my hot take. It's not a contest. Well, it is. I mean, they, they should be the hottest <laughs> of hot takes. We should rank the hot well, takes. It, oh, is, we, it is. We should aspire to have the hottest of the hot takes. Right. Okay. Yeah. My hot take is SBF's defense because we're quickly going to be going into that. Yeah. Is what's the defense? You know, and uh, Sonny Bamwali and Madoff, everybody, you know, who doesn't take a plea deal has some sort of defense. SBF's defense is going to be drug psychosis. He's wearing that mm-hmm. goddamn patch mm-hmm. that was making his brain go whoop, whoop, whoop. And then he was, I, I guess, uh, he admitted to the patch. I don't know if he admitted to Adderall or other stuff, but they were talking about Adderall. I believe he's going with the drug psychosis defense. And I believe he's not going to get away with it, but it could be a hung jury or it could be uh, you know, result in a settlement mm-hmm. because they don't want to go to trial on this. And he Mm. says, I'll take 25, I'll take 35, because I'll still get out in 18 or something. And I still have like, I'm still a young man. I'll be out of jail at 50. And we'll be sitting here, you know, in 20 years going, wow, he got out of jail 20 years later. The drug psychosis defense, he was on such a cocktail of crazy drugs that he can say, I lacked inhibition. I lacked inhibition. And I was so hopped up on these on speed, basically, essentially, and also whatever I don't know what the patch does, and so I'm no expert, but I would love a psychiatric person to explain to me what exactly he was on, what combination, Mm -hmm. because that's what this is going to be the core of the defense, what combination of drugs he was on, and what are the side effects of those drugs or the combination of those drugs, and then he'll say, do you remember when my attorneys told me to not talk and to build a defense and my co-conspirators went and flipped? I was so hopped up on those drugs that I did 10 interviews. And I mm. just kept talking. And I don't even yeah. remember what I said because I was on speed. I was on patches. <laughs> These doctors God. gave it to me. This and it's is not so my dark. fault. This it's is not so my dark. fault, Molly. I was yeah. hopped up on drugs that my doctor gave me because, uh, you know, are you going to criticize me for my, you know, that I have psychological problems and I <laughs> have mental illness and I just listen to my doctors and they I'm put the patch on baby. me. And then I snorted a bunch of Adderall. I mean, I didn't, I, I shouldn't have snorted it, but I heard, I read on a Reddit forum that maybe I could be better and I, could solve my problems if i took these addies and i just you know they gave me 40 i was banging 40 milligrams and i just thought well 80 is better than 40 and that's where this that was the whole problem i'm sorry i'm sorry have you seen those tiktoks i'm just a baby no (laughs) really oh it's like it'll be like a vicious dog or whatever and then it's like you know it's it's like being snuggled and it's like i'm just a baby anyway i literally deleted tiktok two weeks ago my life is a thousand percent better I gave yeah, back you were using it all wrong. I'm much. like once a week, once a week animal. Off my phone, off my thing, phone. and then the wow, dang! All right, everybody, there it is. All right, next up, Lon Harris. Hey, everybody, it's Molly Wood, co-host of This Week in Startups and Managing Director here at Launch. And our mission at Launch is to back builders and help build founders. Founder University is one of the ways that we do that. We've got a 12-week online course to help you build and launch your MVP or idea. It's a hybrid course, meaning there are live presentations virtually twice a week and asynchronous learning. 
At the live sessions, those include presentations from industry experts, and you'll get a Q&A with these experts and members of the launch team, plus deep dives every week to cover what you're learning. And then asynchronously, we're going to give you homework, a little extra videos and reading each week, and we'll go step by step with you as you build your MVP. Now, I know you're wondering, how much does this cost? Okay, so we want founders to have skin in the game, but we don't want to take money from our bootstrapped builders. So here's what we do. We charge $500 upfront for the Founder University 12-week course. But if you attend the live sessions and you launch an MVP, we'll give it back. In other words, this is our ethos in action. Do the work and we return the entire $500 at the end and it's free. So do you have an excellent idea for a startup, but you don't know where to start? Or are you in the early stages of launching your MVP, looking for those first customers? Founder University is the place to guide you through those early stages. Cohort five of our 12-week Founder University will kick off in March, 2023. You can learn more and apply at course.founder.university. Hope to see you there. Do All right, everybody. It's everybody's favorite reason to exist on a Thursday, right? If you're going to exist on a Thursday... The reason you should <laughs> breathe oxygen as a human <laughs> and continue this brutal life as we know it is for this week in streaming with Alon Harris. He's he's back, if, Molly. Yeah, if you he's must back. be perceived, the horrors of being perceived. Why not be perceived here on Inside Streaming or this, oh, week, in streaming. this week in streaming? Yes, very well. This week done. in streaming, it is. Mm-hmm. It's the reason. It's the reason to get out of bed every week. It's actually uh, we have a lot to talk about today because there is a huge breaking news story. To be fair, we have been following, but in yeah. sports and streaming, uh, we now know the answer to who's mm. getting NFL Sunday ticket. Well, before you say it, we're going to talk about another A.O. AO oh, Scott yes. top 10 film at the end of this. <laughs> Don't worry. You're not yeah. going to believe it, but I have very strong feelings and opinions <laughs> about not only A.O. Scott, but another famous film critic. Oh and that's going to be at the end here. Oh, we're going to talk about God. Tar. We're going to talk about tar. We are going to talk about tar, but let's get I'm into the news first. I'm never going to get invited to the National Board of Review. You're now. literally you're ruining you're, you're taking my chances. It depends you're on how you defend he's them. Be off the screener list. Otherwise, it was totally going to happen. But there's that's Here it now. Go ahead, All right. Okay, but before that, it's true. We have saved the best for last because we think we could go Jeez. on a minute about that 159 minute movie tar and flew movie by. reviews flew by. Um, But let's start with, yes, the answer to who is going to bring us NFL Sunday ticket in 2023. It is YouTube. YouTube Mm. has closed a deal for Sunday ticket worth $2 billion per year. Yeah, (gasps) for seven years. For seven years. I have so many thoughts. But let's do the details. It'll be similar. So if you you aren't familiar with NFL Sunday ticket, because you never wanted to pay for it before because it was so freaking expensive. Mm -hmm. It is the TV sports package that lets you watch all the out of market NFL football games. So no blackouts. Like I think you might get local blackouts. Maybe I'm curious to see how YouTube is going to handle that. You don't get whatever's on your CBS. Right. It's right. Whatever your local market, those are on TV. So you don't get them, but you get everything that's out of your Mm. market. Right. Similar to the NBA League Pass. So the deal starts in 2023, it'll run through 2030, and it makes YouTube the third big tech company to pay a crap ton of money for sports streaming. Amazon signed that big deal for Thursday Night Football last year, and Apple signed that big 10-year deal for Major League Soccer. What do we think? 
I, it's it's fascinating because it's both YouTube TV and YouTube. They're going to make it available through either. So if you're a YouTube TV subscriber, that's like $65 per month platform that's sort of like a cable replacement for cord cutters, you can mm-hmm. add Sunday ticket through there. But you don't have to. There was sort of some concern that they were going to lock you into having to get YouTube TV in order to access Sunday ticket. But no, you can get it as a standalone a la carte thing through just YouTube in the same way like you can rent a movie through YouTube. This to me is the best news of all, actually, because I was afraid they were going to not let you get it if you had YouTube TV the way that you now pay for YouTube premium, but not YouTube TV. And those are not the same service. And I was like, how far I was worried that they were going to separate these two things. And I love the fact like to me, the best news as a consumer is that you could have it either way. Good job, YouTube. This is what we call in the business, the paradigm shift. There was a moment in time when the technology known as satellite television mm-hmm. was the most extraordinary technology in the world of broadcasting. Now, why? Because there were no bandwidth or few bandwidth constraints. They put up a lot of satellites and you could get HD, uh, right? Remember, DirecTV was sure. like, whoa, you can get HD. And yeah, then they I kept putting up TV more because it was the best picture quality by far, like far by exceeded far. cable. It, when was it was literally you would go to a TV store to buy a television and they would either show you a Blu-ray, Molly, or, or you remember this because working out, you were at Cena no. at the time, or they would show you <laughs> Not direct TV. Uh, well, you know, well, we're going to have a very big celebration here for Molly's 40th <laughs> in seven years. So <laughs> we're planning that now, getting out there early. Uh, so what this is about is, the, is paradigm shifts. The paradigm of DirecTV, which I loved for 20 years, I was a subscriber to DirecTV. You could get the most number of channels. It had the best interface, a little bit laggy when you change channels, but combined with the TiVo, it was the most extraordinary experience. But all things come to an end. Nobody believed that the bandwidth of the internet could support the number of users in HD. Mark Cuban, who had started broadcast.com and who was an expert on this and who owned HDTV, Two networks on DirecTV, I think that was his first place where they had them, Mm -hmm. people would go to that channel because none of the other content was in HD. So if you got an HDTV, you remember this, Lon, you would go to the HDTV channel just to show your friends, look, look at that. Look at the lizard. Look at the lizard, you know, like in Mm -hmm. some nature documentary. Most stuff was not converted or recorded in HD, so you just, you couldn't take advantage of it. Okay, that paradigm... Uh, did particularly well because there was no constraint on the number of channels. So when DirecTV, when you wanted to do a league pass type product, you know, other people couldn't do it. There wasn't the bandwidth. How would you simultaneously have 10 channels? And this is why if you had this, you were the most popular person in your group. Well, things have changed now in your pocket. And just, I want everybody to just think about the paradigm shift that has occurred. Now in your pocket is a device that can stream in HD with a screen resolution that is, I mean, it's even more than 4K on on, on a lot of phones with these incredible pixels and densities. Uh, And you can do it from anywhere. And everybody's got one. And it has a payment platform built in. So the friction that came with DirecTV was you had to have somebody climb on your goddamn roof. Most people couldn't get it. Some people, Lon, you remember this, Molly, would put it in their goddamn windows yeah. And they would open their window and hang it out their windows just to get access to this. So this is about mm-hmm. the paradigm shifting. The same thing happened with satellite radio. Those things are dead in the water. They're over. Um, and now it is really just about the internet 
this is a play for YouTube to get advertisers onto the YouTube platform. They can lose a billion dollars a year on this and make it up in the halo effect. This mm. is why you do not see the ESPNs of the world, the ABCs of the world being able to compete for this because they would have to compete for it and make it break even or profitable or maybe modestly lose. It doesn't matter to YouTube. If YouTube gets premier advertisers on this and they, you know, make a little, they lose a little, they make a little, who cares? It just solidifies the number of minutes and the penetration of YouTube and makes it the number one ad buy. Google is the number one ad buy in the world. Beginning yeah. and end of the sentence. YouTube slash Google is the most important advertising platform in the world. All this does is cement it. That's it. It's a really great point because when you look at the numbers live sports are it's the crown jewel and all of these streamers have been in these big races for them and they're spending billions and billions of dollars but the fact is like even the viewership so far on this experiment like at amazon who has thursday night football the viewership has not been even what they predicted right according mm -hmm. to nielsen so far this season the viewership was 9.6 million per game which is way below the 12 and a half million viewers per game that amazon predicted Amazon disputes it and says it's actually 11.4, but that's still less. But like previously, live sports were the lost leader to keep people buying cable bundles. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like what you're saying is that they will likely, it will likely stay a loss leader. Yeah, who cares? Which I think is a good thing to keep in mind that like they, they maybe don't care at all what they spend on it. But is the same true for Amazon and Apple, which are not? Like Huge Apple isn't an ad platform. Disaster for Amazon and Apple to not get this. It's a disaster. Mm them to yeah, not I mean, get well if you're also looking at the top i mean youtube already is the dominant the most popular the most watched streaming platform in the u.s already so now this is just putting them even further ahead even harder to catch for every other player it's just advancing their lead to the point that it's going to be essentially impossible. like netflix is never going to catch them at this rate now that they're adding sunday ticket football on top of what uh, all you know all the youtube content that's already being viewed it's a disaster. I mean, Amazon and Apple have the money to do this. They, Amazon is on their heels because of their stock price, and they don't have a founder there. No founder, no founder authority. You know, they, they should have. Why would it be, if it make I, it 100% makes sense to me why it makes sense for Google, stay the number one ad platform in the world. Yes. Amazon has a budding ad platform, mm -hmm. but it's not super built out. Amazon, Apple doesn't really... Like, why is it a disaster? What's the business that they okay. would build on top of it? Is it advertising so also? For Amazon, they do have a vibrant um, click e-commerce based, right? Mm -hmm. Business. They are seeking to develop a more branded, you know, prestige level of advertising, right? And if they could have that prestige level, then when an advertiser, let's pick one, um, Apple, as one of the great advertisers in the world, they believe in advertising. Apple loves to put ads that people click on and purchase right those are uh performance based ads that's amazon's sweet spot but additionally apple loves to make those beautiful ads for every product that evoke emotion in you they spend money two ways right and you can only spend money one way on amazon it's like performance based ads you, you don't really got that display gorgeous ads um like you can do on youtube or you can mm -hmm. do on television and then for apple how amazing would it be if this was bundled into the Apple bundle, what do they call the Apple bundle? Apple mm -hmm. one or something? Yeah. yeah. Apple one. And I pay, do you, do either of you pay for it? No. You know, I was, but I, I dropped down because oh. oh, I'm being, yeah, I'm being cheap I, now I, for 2023. I, I pay for TV plus, but that's it. 
and clad and clad. So, you know, I clad. Yeah, yeah. So I pay for this for the entire family, and it has the arcade in it, which is great. You have extra storage, which is great. All five devices get it. All five individuals, I should say, in the family get it. We have music. All five people get it. I might cancel Spotify. I, I pay for both right now. A little redundant. Um, and so you start looking at that bundle. You want to just increase the number of people in the bundle. Once you get on the bundle, you don't come off the bundle. It's kind of how it is. It's very rare, Molly, for people like you right. to unsubscribe I from it. You have to be highly financially literate. Cheap. Good as money. hell. You're cheap. <laughs> I well, think you said it that. I said financially is... literate, but okay. <laughs> Thank you. Same thing. It's the platform thing. Like Amazon, they're all competing. They want to be the hub. Like yeah. Verizon even just launched its own version of this. Like everybody wants to do what Roku did a decade ago mm -hmm. and become the the one, the the hub you go to to access all of your other streaming services. And then they they get to like, you know, sort of skim a little off the top or whatever so like at that definitely what amazon was thinking is like this goes in amazon channels and then sunday mm. ticket you subscribe to that just like you'd get amc plus through amazon and then for apple i think it's the same thing it's the it would be in apple tv you'd have to get you'd get on your apple tv platform and then we've got you into apple tv in perpetuity right. you can't stop yes. using us as your hub because we've got sunday ticket has anybody here watched youtube videos on their big screen television. Let me just oh, ask sure. that. I do that all the time. Okay, yeah. okay all the time. When all did you time. first install the YouTube? I use YouTube app via my Apple TV. Have it on. I have Apple TVs on every TV. Uh, I I think in two homes. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, you know like seven between the two houses. Seven Apple TVs rocking right now. Yeah. I think and it was PlayStation. We are was increasingly the first I watching YouTube videos and going to the YouTube app. And so I think this is about getting YouTube on your television. Yeah, that's what I was. It's, the, it's right the now. Platform. Like, it's, yeah, yes. yes. And not everybody opens the YouTube app yet. I watch Nick's fan TV on my television set. Sometimes uh, I will watch, um, you know, other podcasts on my I'll watch uh, sports highlights, whatever. I, I'm increasingly when I'm in the gym, instead of going to Amazon or Netflix, or Disney Plus, I'm going to the YouTube app. Mm -hmm. Very interesting, right? Yeah, to watch YouTube on the big screen. Like, so it's like any other streaming, screen. just like any other streaming app at this point. It's like yeah. you just, mm -hmm. you know, you got the app next to Netflix, HBO Max, and that's mm -hmm. just like, you know, shorter form content usually, but not, not even necessarily. YouTube videos not are an hour, yeah. hour and a half at this point. Like, uh, there are some. So yeah, I don't, I probably, I think I probably watch more YouTube, like actually sit and watch a full video. What's your not behavior, just, like, on, uh, what do yeah. you watch on your television? Now, it's a very specific question. Television YouTube versus phone and iPad YouTube or desktop YouTube. I personally use YouTube yeah. still on my phone, but I live on my phone to a weird degree. Like I will sit mm -hmm. in front of my giant TV watching mm -hmm. a YouTube video on my phone like a weirdo. Mm -hmm. That's a little like weird. I yeah. literally sometimes my brother will come over and just shout the word laptop at me because I'm trying to do some really complicated thing like on my phone and there's a laptop right there a tv yeah. right there so that's a but my son and i will sit and stream youtube videos and either stream them from his phone or we'll use the youtube app i have roku tvs yeah. so we'll use the youtube app that's built in so but all of that like i will say all of that has 100 percent answered the question of why google alphabet mm -hmm. youtube whatever business yeah. division we're talking about here would go to the mattress mm -hmm. for these rights Right. It also, to me, answers the question of why Amazon and Apple would set a budget and stay within it. Like it mm -hmm. doesn't, the benefit to them is obvious, but not as obvious, especially since this could end up being a loss leader. Okay, fair point. It's an existential, said another way, 
This is existential for YouTube and yeah. Google. Yeah. They can't lose this business line. They have no choice but to win this auction. Apple if, or Amazon, if they lose this, well, they've got AWS on one side, they got the iPhone franchise on the other. They don't have to win it. But this is showing you a level of discipline. This auction took place at, in the wrong year. This auction should have took, taken place in 21, 21, because at that point, it would have been 50% more money and Amazon would have taken it, I predict. In a stock market where you know these companies have been hit hard, I think this they could have gotten $3 billion a year. And I, or 2.5 or whatever. Yeah. Right now, people are making a very logical decision. There's 1.5 to 2 million subscribers, I think, for this, which is a very small number of people pay for this. You have to be a really wonky, crazy person. I pay for NBA League Pass. I'm one of those also crazy people. There are people who pay for the cricket, right? If uh, that was one of the big things we talked about previously. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. I do think you're going to see a jump, though, because DirecTV, you're talking about a, a platform that's been dwindling, that's been losing enthusiasm and momentum for a long time. For, so I think once this is more readily available on a platform, everybody's already on like yep. YouTube, that's so immediate. I think you're going to get a huge influx of people who are going to sign up for the yeah. first time. Once Honestly, this is on YouTube, I like I had YouTube TV and then I felt like it got too expensive. And then I went back to cable and now I'm like, this is so stupid. Why do I have cable? And this news alone will probably make me. Oh, yeah. You switch back to YouTube TV. I'm like, Hulu, it's just dumb. But I'm about to cancel because I do my yearly ritual where when I move up to the mountains for the winter, uh, I switch my Hulu. And it's like, by the way, you're in a different place. And now you have you have one more switch left and then you can't use it. And my kids are going to go back and they're going to start using a Hulu there and it doesn't respect it. And so just uh, this is a message to Hulu. Please respect the fact that a Get family might want to use Hulu in two different locations. Right. And they and they, they just have screwed that. And YouTube, from what I understand, doesn't. And then I have to hack it like I have to. I was playing Hulu on my phone and airplaying to the tv right. and that's just i feel so ghetto to me i'm it's like janky this is so it's janky super, like i don't understand they're why don't listen. cancel me don't cancel me for using ghetto they're gonna I, they're gonna I, make I take you back the ghetto like i use this is gonna be my tar i'm gonna get canceled for using ghetto <laughs> yeah. instead of using janky <laughs> not yet not yet we're almost not there we're, we're almost, almost there, there. Ooh, I'm we're so almost ready. there I'm so okay well like Next. on this note no no don't uh, cut it leave it in i can use the word i mean i'm from brooklyn when we say ghetto just a way of saying it, yeah, in the '90s, this was it was in very, the '90s. This was it, it, yeah, would, it okay. would throw it around. We grew yes, up with that. Was okay. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not, I don't think it's okay in 2020. I, would I don't not think it is either. Mm -mm. No, no, I no. It's got an uncomfortable pejorative. Is it problematic of, for me to say it's a problematic. problematic? It's, it's problematic. like how people used to say urban to mean a certain demographic of people who lived in cities huh. and now we're like, yeah. oh, that's uncomfortable now, but it used to be All okay. Right. Well, this is it's the more of, you know. It's I interesting too because it it's mind. a very like, well, like urban, it's a very old word. I mean, it used to, it's what they used to call, they Can called we, the, right. the, the Warsaw ghettos, yeah, you know? Right. The ghetto but used it, to be, it used to be my I mean, there's ghetto, ghetto just meant the cheapest homes. Yeah. Right. But that's over now. Over now, some negative. Oh, the, so All the right. ghetto doesn't exist anymore. Let's we, do something. Yeah, we fixed getting, it. We solved by it by not getting rid of the word. It. <laughs> it's like no, how they just... stop calling it South Central and just change it to South LA. It, it's yeah. fine now. Now, now it's, it's all better. Oh, oh, it solves the problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. What about yeah. Skid Row? What do they call that? S Row? Is no, it, they still call it uh, Skid Row? Is it C Row? They still call that Skid Row, but it's shrinking. Like uh, they, they, every every year, it gets a little smaller, and another neighborhood encroaches. So at some point, if they called it C Row. 
and then it would be like the fee die if i die or it would be like soho we could just oh call it zero we call the tenderloin the, the, the tilo people if we call tenderloin tilo it would that would end the suffering in the tenderloin. that's actually so, true it would end the suffering you're right it would it immediately would. be revived this has this has been a tar moment <laughs> Okay, let's do a quick hit on quick hit some streaming stories. Ooh, because you coming. may know yeah. that Lon mm. writes a weekly newsletter. Mm. I do. Inside streaming. And so we were like, hey, every day or every week we have you come on and we talk about these headlines. Let's just make it a segment. What's in the newsletter? Okay. What is Give in us the a little newsletter? Rundown. Quick hits. A couple of quick well, hits. Very quick hits. The 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 big thing uh, we're talking about in terms of viewership is Wednesday, which has been by Nielsen standards and Netflix standards a smash hit for them. Are the second most popular English language show ever on the platform after Stranger Things four. Uh, Nielsen's uh, data hit this week for the debut week six billion minutes during its first five days on the platform, according to Nielsen, which they do say is second only to Stranger Things among English language shows. The entire Nielsen top five, by the way, for biggest weeks ever, all Netflix. Wednesday, Stranger Things, Tiger King, Ozark, Dahmer. So Netflix totally dominant mm. as far as Dang. that. Dang. Also, the kids are on Netflix. The uh, kids, this has yeah. made Netflix. A kid's destination again. Uh, the, my kids over this holiday break have watched Wednesday two or three times with their cousins. That's a bunch of shit. I like that. And this is great for dad jokes because they said, Can we watch Wednesday? I said, Well, it's <laughs> Sunday. So, yes, I'll give you one hour of TV on Wednesday. And they're like, No, we want to watch Wednesday today. I'm like, You want to watch Wednesday on a Sunday? You can't watch Wednesday on Sunday. Now, if you want to watch Sunday, we can watch on Sunday. But I, but I don't think you guys have been out on the mountain enough. And that's my dad rule. I have dad rules. And sure. one of my dad rules is when we're in uh, the mountains, no screens until after dinner. And if you ski every hour of skiing or ice skating, whatever activity, you can earn iPad time. Uh, so I'm trying to make them not into like uh, little fentanyl iPad addicts. Yeah. But we anyway, were just noting while you were on your dad rant that uh mgm like owns no? the rights to the adams family they're yes. amazing <laughs> mgm which is amazon so amazon MGM. produces wednesday for netflix in a weird Ooh, uncomfortable right <gasps> yeah this reminds me uh, wait hold on this uncomfortable moment also no, didn't you just explain this to us wins. happened with ya with um yellowstone as well wasn't there an uncomfortable thing where somebody sold a yes. hit to another streamer and they're like banging it, their hand head against the wall like Viacom several years ago sold the streaming rights for the cable show Yellowstone, which airs on the Paramount Network <laughs> to NBC Universal. So those back catalog of Yellowstone episodes air on Peacock. They didn't know two things. One, it was going to become one of the biggest cable TV shows of all time and the, the, the most popular show on cable TV in America right now. <laughs> The other thing they didn't know is that they were going to have their own bespoke streaming destination, Paramount Plus. So that deal has really, that's why we're getting all these Yellowstone prequels. They just had that yes. new one, 1923 with Harrison Ford. Ooh, and Helen I want to watch that mm, on my big screen. Good. And they're yeah. giving Taylor Sheridan, who created Yellowstone, so many other shows he does, Mayor of Kingstown, he's doing Tulsa King. They basically turned over Paramount Plus to him in mm, entirety like they gunned because it. they can't put his big, most popular they show. They gunned it? 
Yeah, well, Taylor Sheridan yeah, is the king much. of Paramount Plus. You go to the front page of Paramount Plus, it's like all his shows, and then The Good Fight is basically the only one that's and not. How much they, this sounds like this is like, we're sorry, we ished the bed here. Well, they're hoping they're he's going to lightning in a bottle it again and right. Yellowstone 2, and then they're going to own that one forever. But And eventually, I think 2024, 2025, they get it back. So eventually, the full Yellowstone uh, catalog will be on this Paramount. Is, it, wait, is this the same thing that happened with Marvel with uh, defenders, um, yeah, yeah. Well, Daredevil, I mean, and and exactly. that reverted back. Where yes, hasn't reverted Di- back? Disney. They didn't have Disney Plus yet, so they Marvel TV mm-hmm. made a deal with Netflix, and they produced all of those. Those, yeah, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, that generation. Yeah. Uh, but those rights have since reverted, and so all those shows are now on Disney Plus, and they're making mm. they're making a new Daredevil show. Like they brought Charlie Cox back from Daredevil, Netflix Daredevil. He was in She Hulk. He was in She-Hulk. She, they, they brought him back already. She-Hulk's got a boyfriend. Right. She-Hulk's, that's what I did in, when I was watching She-Hulk with my daughters. <laughs> uh, oh he's going to spend all next year making the new revival <laughs> show for Disney dad Plus show. Born Again. It's a whole, this is all dad wisdom brought to you. I've been giving dad lessons all week when I'm up mm-hmm. in Tahoe. I'm like mm-hmm. on the lift, ski lift, and dads are talking dad stuff. And I'm like, here's how you solve that problem. But we watched the <laughs> She-Hulk. Did you watch She-Hulk, Molly? No. Oh, it's so good. I but know. She I heard it was so it. good. Spoiler I know. Alert. I just, I you know. It. Yeah. She, Daredevil so is time. her boyfriend. And it's so great because I, my daughters were so like into it. And then I started doing my dad stuff. She has got a boyfriend. And you ruined it. I'm sorry. It's funny to me. Can I ask you, Molly, just for the mm-hmm. audience wants to know, how deep into the Yellowstone verse are you, Molly Wood? Because this seems like this could be your, like, if you were going to have an addiction, this would be it. I have you started going deep into this? Or have you abstained? I love Yellowstone, okay. the show. But I'm still, okay. exactly. And, like, every time I watch it, I'm like, I need to buy that land in Montana. And I call my uncle. I'm like, do you still have that land that you couldn't sell? You know, like, every time. My <laughs> whole, most of my family's all still in Montana. So, like, I know oh, wow. I will eventually <laughs> get back. Um, you- so, Yellowstone, yes, I'm obsessed with. But my version of obsession is limited by... Like Time. I don't watch that much stuff. Yes. So it's I've hard. been working my way. I think I'm still on season three of Yellowstone. Like I've been mm-hmm. making my way through it for a couple of years now. And that is my version of Obsessed. But I love it. And right. someday I really hope to watch the other ones. The That's the upside in all of this streaming stuff. I'm not a big right? like period piece person though, I will say. Like I don't know if I'm that stoked about the prequel. Good cast. Yeah, they're, they're doing interesting stuff with it. And I like I like that it's, you know, it's only like six, eight episodes and then you're on to the next era. That's like cool. I haven't That's gone cool. back and watched the, the Yellowstone mm. prequels, but I'm, I'm May curious. May I ask you that. a question, Lon? Sure. Harrison Ford is mm. in this prequel. He is. Harrison Ford. He's a true two, movie he's star. He's got an Apple TV Plus show coming up next month, too. Okay. He's what is he, like show. 107 years old? Like, how's he he's doing this? 80. He's great. I'm just hanging. You saw the pic. You saw the uh, celebrity yeah, photos on the internet when I was hanging out with Harrison diet. Ford. Probably you saw those, right? When I was hanging out with Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, when I was hanging out with Harrison, we saw that um, time you were hanging out with Harrison, and he was all J. Cal. He called you J. Cal. Dropped the name. Let me pick it up here. Remember that time he <laughs> called you J. Cal? <laughs> he did. He did. He said, "Son, I remember. I think you know more about this movie than I do. And I was in it. <laughs> you had <to> do <laughs> yes, Harrison, that is true. But I want to ask Alana a very pointed question: If Harrison Ford now has secured the streaming bag. Is there an award-winning actor, and there are very few on Harrison Ford's level in my mind, a true movie star of our generation? Is there 
a white whale? Is there a Moby Dick of movie stars, male, female, otherwise, that has not secured the streaming back? We're getting we're getting down to it. We're getting close. Meryl Streep was a big one when she did Big Little Lies, that HBO mm. show. Everybody was like, oh, my God, Meryl doing TV. That was a huge that was a huge job. Kate Winslet now has come. Amy Adams is regularly doing. I think the only two I can really think of uh, who have yet like Leonardo DiCaprio. He he exclusively oh. does big end of the year prestige films. Stunning. And if you, do you remember that that Christian Bale interview from a few months ago where he basically said every big movie gets offered first to Leo DiCaprio? So hmm. Christian Bale's like, if you saw me in a movie, it's because Leo passed and then they hmm. offered it to me. Uh, so DiCaprio's yet to. I mean, he's doing uh, those those Apple movies with Scorsese. So Flowers. No, no, that's a movie moon. though. Those are prestige movies. Those are movies. That's though. a prestige yeah. movie. I don't. I don't think of that as like a streaming. They're going to put nope. that in theaters. A streaming. That's the a prestige one, movie. The other one is uh, TC Tom Cruise. Exactly. Uh, still, that's what I was thinking still of too. Riding motorcycles off of cliffs only on the big screen. He's a big believer in that theatrical big screen. Dustin experience. Hoffman. Huh, interesting. I mean, I don't think of him. I think he's, he's still he's, an A-list movie star. He's semi-retired. Oh, he's A-list. Yeah. Wait. He's, he's A-list. Tom but Hanks. But like, Tom we're talking Hanks like the, currently working. Yeah, he's sort of sunset his career at the dawn of the still streaming A-list. era. Still A-list. I mean, so it was like Richard he's Dreyfuss. He's still A-list. Like, those always guys are A-list. amazing, legendary Tom actors. Hanks. What about he's Tom? 85. But Dustin Hoffman has not. Tom Cruise has not. Leonardo DiCaprio has not. Dustin Hoffman has not, to my knowledge, done a streaming And I don't think Tom Hanks has either. Well, Tom, Tom Hanks he produces no. a lot of like HBO stuff, okay. and he just did Tom that Hanks reprehensible still, Disney Tom Plus Hanks still on the board. movie. He did. Uh, I'm gonna give you another one. Okay, and then we gotta talk about Tar. Okay. We got one but more, I, I, and then we gotta I'll, go. I'll give you two more. You give me your record. <laughs> I don't know if they have. RDJ and Brad Pitt, prestige actors, A list. Have yeah, they done? I'm really, Downey Jr. is doing a lot of like streaming stuff. Not necessarily that he stars in, but his company only stars. I'm only counting stars in. He has not starred in a streamer. Just, I mean, he, he has that, that documentary about his dad senior that just popped up, uh, that he produced and and he's also, that's a personal film. I don't, he hasn't done like a show like that stars Robert. Okay. And Brad Pitt hasn't. So, uh, uh, no, Brad, Brad Pitt has not. So we have a a small list now. It's, it's a handful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. That's it. That's all. I'm just trying to make a point here. Like has ScarJo done any streaming shows? Sandra Bullock? Uh, I, again, Sandra Bullock. I feel like, no, Sandra Bullock, no. Like, Sandra no. Bullock, definitely not. Scarlett Johansson, I Natalie feel like Portman? she has, but I can't put my finger on what it was. Natalie yeah, Portman, Natalie I think. Natalie Portman, I don't think so. That's an A-list. She's A-list, no, right? No, she's working on one right now for Apple. Okay. She's got a show um, that she's doing Julia right Roberts, moment. A-list. <laughs> has she done it? <laughs> Julia <laughs> Roberts? <laughs> All right. You know, as long as, you're, as long as you're in this mood, I feel like it's a good time to hit you Whoa. with A.O. Scott. Let's Uh-oh, talk about Tar. As yeah. long as you're all fired up. Now, fired we up. made a promise after our viral kerfuffle vis-a-vis the A.O. Scott, Scott Gate. Top 10 movies of the year. A.O. Scott Gate. A.O. Scott Gate. Uh, we made a vow that mm-hmm. we would watch these okay. 10 films. I'm going to go ahead and predict okay. we're going to watch two, maybe three. But we have all watched I'm gonna the watch second. All 10. I'm definitely going to get to Lon's all 10. Gonna I'm going to try. All I'm going to get to seven. I'm in. I'm in. I need an assistant. If I'm, I need an assistant to watch these movies for me. I okay, think I'm so already four out of ten down. So I'm really? doing great. All right, yeah, well, we, Neptune Frost, Tar, uh, Flux Gourmet, and then uh, there. Oh nope. You and must then have I seen no. even one more. 
Mm. All right. Well, Look this is your you. job, and you're forty percent through. It's not our job. It is your job. You are the, one of the great commentators on film. <laughs> it's true. It's your job. It's your calling, if you will. We watched Neptune Frost last week. We talked about ne- Neptune Frost. We all liked it so much better. Two of you loved it. I liked it. Like we were a solid. It. We were the literal critic to consumer split. Jason wrote a very eloquent review and surprised mm. us all. Thank God. Mm. By not. Much better review than A.O. Scott's, just in terms of pros and insights. We keep going. Bullet <laughs> dodge there. This week, Legendary we're back for another review. We all watched number six on the list, which is Todd Field's Tar, Stalin, mm. starring Kate Blanchett, Naomi Merlent, and Nina Haas. Mm-hmm. The film got a critic score of 90% on Rotten Tomatoes and an okay. audience score of 72%. It is about uh, the life, the, the, a moment in the life of Lydia Tarr, who is a renowned composer at the height of her career before the tables turn. Mm. As her past catches up with her and her life begins to spiral. Okay. That's the setup. And now we'll talk about like, okay, do do we want a little like go around the horn? What did we all think? That sounds wise. Yeah. Sure. I'll go last. Okay. I'll go Uh, last. I'll I'll, I'll go. Uh, I loved it. I think this is, it it, it is clearly one of the, one of the best movies of the year. One of the most expansive. There is a movie. It really reminds me of that people, not enough people have seen. Uh, uh, Let me know if you guys have seen it. Kenneth Lonergan, the guy who did, you can count on me. He's the writer director. It's called Margaret. Anna Paquin is in it. It's fun. I think from 2011. And it is, it's this very expansive, long movie, like three hour drama it's just a character study of this young girl played by Anna Paquin. It's stuff like a dramatic thing happens to her during the movie. So it's not like nothing happens. Yeah. But it is really not about what happens so much as it is about the extremely complex emotions and aftermath that it has and how it impacts her life. And it's almost like this coming of age kind of thing. But it, it's so universal. It's really about all sorts of just like the what it is to be alive at this moment in your life and have things happen to you. And that's what Tar kind of reminded me of. Like it is about there are things happening to Kate Blanchett. It has a narrative thread, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's so it's about everything. It's really about power and control and influence and regret and guilt and how all of these things sort of interact and, and play around with each other in you know an adult an adult's life. It's very much about her. It is all her. Like the whole thing. Okay, so I will say so you are like give it a number. Oh, are we doing one one hold to scores, ten? Hold scores. Let's oh, do hold scores. Let's, hold let's scores. do our let's okay. do our qualitative like feelings over. on it. Right. Then we'll go to specific. Let's do this. We'll do our qualitative feelings mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. We're on the horn. Then we'll go. Then to we'll go into specific scenes, specific moments. That will be a uh, spoiler territory. Right. Good call. And then we'll give scores at the end to keep the audience sure. engaged. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. sounds like a good plan here. Okay. So Molly, okay. your general feelings about right. the film pre spoiler. I mean, I will say. Pre-spoiler. That and intro, it, I movies are too long, just mm. generally, especially okay. in the age of streaming. Like, if you're sitting, like, I was, you know, my son is not home. It was, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna sit down and watch this movie. Now, you will, knowing me as you do, appreciate that this is colored by the fact that all during this one, one hour and 59 minute movie, so it's whatever it is, or no, more than 159 minutes, it's over two yeah, hours. It's, like, it's a solid two, two hours and two 40 minutes. 230, yeah, 238 is what I kept saying because I kept, yeah. and then all throughout this two hours and 40 minutes, my brother was texting me because he got to watch the new John Ryan series or Jack Ryan series. 
So he's mm. watching that, which is my favorite genre. <laughs> and I'm watching two hours and 40 minutes of Kate Blanchett. It is like, that is all you're getting by God. You have some good tertiary characters and she's amazing. But if you are either in or not in on Kate Blanchett and her performance here, yeah. I was in. And there are things about it. The more I read about it after it ended, the more intrigued I was. I found it to be a bit of a, it was a little too long. It was like a okay. bit of a slog. No problem. I didn't hate it. I really like it and I like what it was doing. Mm. I just don't, I don't have that kind of attention. I'm adult okay. ADHD over here. No problem. That's honest. That's honest. Films, uh, you know, different films appeal, appeal to different people. Uh, She's I have a phenomenal. Very, I have a very important announcement to make. <laughs> Many of you have known. And I have told everybody quite clearly, and this whole A.O. Scott Gate, the kerfuffle, the, the Donnybrook, this entire Donnybrook, this craziness has all started with him leaving Maverick, the best film of the year, e not even in his top 10. Him putting it, I believe, as number six on his list, right? It's number six. Can I please confirm? Yeah, I think so. I think number six, number six. Yeah, it's number six. Okay. This proves... A.O. Scott's incompetence. <laughs> you wouldn't have seen this if not for him. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have seen it. I heard the buzz. Okay. Oh, you and would not And I will explain. Have. This is clearly, and I haven't seen the other eight films yet, but for him to put Neptune, Neptune Frost, Frost as number two, and this as number six, shows the complete, absolute incompetence of A.O. Scott. Oh, oh God. Come because on. this This is definitely film, the last time we're doing this segment. <laughs> because this film, I'm allowed to have my opinion. Oh, I'm allowed to have my opinion but about no Scott. He can is. have his opinion about mine. <laughs> and well, what I'm embracing here is what I'm learning through this process oh, God. is that top 10 lists and film criticism is the greatest, greatest honeypot in the world. I'm leaning into it. This is tied with Top Gun Maverick for the oh, best wow. picture of the year. Wow. This film wow. is going to become not only this year's number one film uh, across the board or tied with Maverick in my mind, not only will this be number one or two on everybody's list, etc. When they make the top 10 films of this decade, this will be on that list and it will be high on that list. This film will age uh, in it and it, its importance at this moment in time will grow now let me explain and we're not doing spoilers right now the film is about a problematic uh kate blanchett who as a female lesbian abusive horrible but brilliant uh conductor let's leave it at that that's not going to spoil the film for you this is all revealed in the first couple of minutes it's you know it's in the trailer she puts on a performance that will be the best performance of her career and one of the best performances in the last 20 years in any film she's extraordinary in it the filmmaking is unbelievable there are memorable scenes in this there are monologues there are two sentences there there are moments that we will talk about and debate at dinner parties all year long and that's one of my criteria may not be ao scott's i don't understand <laughs> his criteria it's obviously flawed but my criteria is if you were to watch this film as a group how long would it stay with you? How many hours after the film would you want to talk about it? Just like the White Lotus season two, which last night at dinner, I had dinner with a bunch of besties, uh, you know, eight people, everybody had seen season two of White Lotus. They couldn't stop talking about it for the first hour of dinner. 
specific scenes, specific moments, what happened. Da -da. This film is a hundred X that to White Lotus in terms of its importance and relevance. It, it will be dinner party discussions for hours afterwards. And what I love most about this film is that it challenges the viewer. It is not straightforward. Even the critics, the mighty critics who lord their lists upon us <laughs> and tell us who is number one and who is number two, they can't make sense of this film. It's so hilarious to me. It is so, it, is, it, it proves the point that this film is so important that you have one set of critics saying that this is, this is the absolute pinnacle of the discussion about an artist creating great art versus the behavior and the human being of the artist, whether it's Bach or it's, you know, uh, Kevin Spacey, uh, pick a horrible human being who, who you know, uh, Harvey Weinstein, the artist versus the art, the social, the power of social media, the generational difference between Gen Z, Gen X and boomers is all on display here. The power dynamics, identity politics, everything is absolutely meditated on here but they don't spoon feed it to you you must take it in and interpret it for yourself and that is the brilliance of the film tar and that is why it is number one tied currently with <laughs> maverick i will need to see both films again to make my ultimate decision this is the goddamn film of the year i believe <laughs> and kate blanchett wins the best actress and A.O. Scott is absolutely drunk, oh asleep God. at the wheel for making it number six behind <laughs> Neptune Frost. <laughs> Neptune Frost is number right? 60 it's like to this fine. being number one. No. That's it. I'm done. I'm it's very like excited like, about this film. We're fine, and then we're not fine, and then we're fine yeah. again, and then we're not fine. I can have my opinion again, and then we're fine. With this book. Anyway, anybody want to react to my feelings, and then we'll get into spoilers. This is for the I mean, audience. I think, I think it's interesting. I think there, obviously, everything you're saying is is present. I mean, there's there's a big scene that's become very sort of famous where she's at. She's oh, okay, we're into spoiler territory. Really Here like, we go, like, spoiler territory. Like. I feel like a lot of the discussion of the film does set, sort of come back to like cancel culture. And it's about this person who's this very prominent high status person in this scandal. And that is, all of that is in the film. But to me, it's so much more about the internal psychology. It's, it's really mm, we're yeah. in Lydia Tarr's brain throughout the movie. Yes. And we're sort of seeing the impact on her of losing her grip and like realizing what kind of a person she's been. Yes. And this experience of watching it slip through her fingers and the panic mm -hmm. and the fear. And to me, that's what it's, it's more about that than necessarily like a treatise on what to do about this cancel culture. Like, I feel like there's, there's a reductive and I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm saying like in the culture more widely, I feel like there's been kind of a, an attempt to like put this movie in a box and like, Oh, that's the problematic cancel culture. Woke is a movie. It is and not like, that. No, Molly. It's I know. much more than that. I agree. I think it's very reductive to put it in that. I 100%. And I find it sort of disappointing. I mean, it just, it's really interesting because like as a, by the way, let's move into spoiler territory because we won't really we be able now territory. to. You can fast forward to the end. I think that one of the brilliant things about this movie is to use that narrative device among many as this sort of the most obvious lens to get where we're going mm -hmm. with Lydia and her kind of coming apart. And right. it is kind of delightfully predictable 
that then the US media would be like, this is all about cancel culture and social media. When, first of all, social media hardly figures, right? It briefly figures as sort of a plot device to keep us moving toward her decompensation. And it is in some ways the easiest direction to go in when you have someone with this much power. Like mm. someone with this much power, no matter who they are, is always going to have probably some abuse. Like power they're corrupts. always going to engage because power corrupts. They're going to engage in some kind of abuse. So it's just like, of course, that's how you get there. And, and the film, which does isn't have... even to take away from that. It's so well set up and it's so taught how you get there. And it is a little yeah. bit unexpected. And so that makes it even more impactful. The, but yeah, the, like this, I'm all about the this lady cracking from the mm. way that power not only corrupts, but destroys. There's like, a, that's there's what a I moment found so where towards the end uh, where she's she's getting a massage. She's got shoulder pain and she goes to get a massage and they line up all the masseuses and they're like, pick the masseuse you want from out of the lineup. In and some Asian country that is not fully explained. Maybe it's Vietnam. It's unnamed. Yeah, it's un yeah I, I couldn't it's figure it out. I, I, yeah, I thought I somewhere Southeast in, Asia somewhere. Some but Southeast I don't, Asia I don't think they put a fine point A Manila, right. maybe or maybe Manila, uh, sure Indonesia, Malaysia, somewhere like that. Uh, so and she's she's picking it from this line and and there's and it's all subtle. It's all you 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 kind of read into it. It's not put a fine point on it, but it's all in Blanche's performance where she has this road of recognition of this is what I've been doing to people my whole life. I've been lining oh. them up, picking the one I want. Mm -hmm. I, I move the, I move people around like pawns. They're not even really human to me. And it's such a complicated idea to capture visually like that that's what movies are about if you can take something abstract that we've all felt or that we've all thought about and find a purely visual cinematic way with just an actor and a scenario what a great point visuals yep. to bring it together that's that's what that's what movie making is is sort of all about on the most fundamental level and the number five right well the number five figures in symbolically the number five figures in the because film. that's the movement that she's the like build, the whole movie is building up to this performance this one and mm. you know like the foreboding is there from the first scenes mm. with her the interview mm. where they say you're going to give this historic performance you're going to conduct this mm. you know Mahler's fifth the number five in the series in one mm. month and you pretty much know immediately that it's all going to unravel over the course of that month yes. and then there is there's like this mysticism to that moment where the girl with the number five is the one who like looks up at her. Right. And oh, makes her I realize. didn't notice that. Yeah. yeah. yeah in the five. lineup. And let's be clear. This lineup is kind of saying, I believe that this is a house of ill repute. I don't know. I like, I think it's the vision, like Todd Field shoots it is. and lines it up visually in a way that immediately suggests brothel. That's the image that we have. I don't know if he's necessarily saying it's because, again, we're refracting everything through Kate Blanchett's mind. Exactly. And so that's right. what she's thinking about. But okay. maybe this is just a massage parlor. I don't think it we get be. any indication. It's kind of, Sometimes but a cigar show. is just a cigar. Yeah, I was going to say as well, if you think about the, the numerical like ordering and ranking, that's what she's been doing with the with the orchestra as well. Well, it's about who's in what chair, who gets what solo, totally. who's in what seat. So that's always been her MO. She's always putting them in order. Putting and they're even arranged row. like that. Like they're yeah, arranged the in favorite, a semicircle. You're, you're the next favorite. Ooh, very yeah. good, Mom. So Great. much was happening. I mean, despite everything I said about how I thought, I personally thought it was too long. And I personally mm -hmm. think if you're not engaged in Kate Blanchett's performance, you're not going to be able to get involved in this movie yeah. because it's it is so movie. her. 
Watch it in two sittings. Is it's my a two sitting movie. Oh, no. <laughs> if you, I mean, maybe. If you're at home. I did God, it in two sittings. Much, I loved it. You did? Jesus, how much time do you have in your life? Um, no, no, I, I watched it in two sittings because I was watching it with my partner. Oh, you watched and it over yeah. the course of, I thought you watched it sittings. twice in a row. No, I was no, like, I, I'm going to hell? watch it again. This, but you guys the, are those little shit. I think a nice little 10 minute beat in the middle. I, okay, I like, very good. But I don't Molly, like finish your separate point. sitting. Okay, Molly, yeah, finish I your guess point. I, I have a point to make. The level of like care, every single detail, every single hmm. shot, every single self-referential moment, every single like realization that's unspooled is like taught. I mean, it's mm. like a knife, which is crazy yes. because I guess you have to unspool so tightly and then it ends up at two hours and 40 minutes, which I know I should let which go, but like, perfect. my God. Take 10 minutes off that for the um, trailers, very uh, for the uh, credits. Very interesting stylistic choice to put the credits at the start. At the start. Film aficionados will have a lot to say about that. It's not super important to most audiences, but I want to point out there was a New Yorker review. Who wrote the New Yorker review? Ron? It's Richard Brody. Richard Brody okay. is the New Yorker. Richard Brody. Brody. Okay, boomer, time to retire. He reduces this film. Richard Brody. I've now found a critic worse than A.O. Scott. Oh, God. Richard Brody. Please clip this. You cannot mention both of them. He reduces this film to yes. being a, that it's championing in some way like this right-wing anti-Me um, Too movement or anti-identity politics is his point. And what Which I'll is say- such a shame. This is the okay boomer moment for him when he needs to realize he's done as a film critic. He missed the point of the film. This point of the film is about narcissistic personality disorder and the descent into madness and the enablers of narcissists. I am not a professional film critic and I got this. What's his kid's name again? It's Richard Brody. How old is Richard Brody? He's got to be over 65 uh, or 70. It's I an okay mean, boomer a, moment. A, a legend in the in the criticism game. He's been doing it for forever. Please, man. Please. Forever no, is probably I, the key I word. Actually, I, I'm 64. Also Did you read his review? I read his review. I'm, I'm not a huge Richard what Brody What did you think of that either. review? I, I, I agree with Missed you. I mean, the it's point. Doing, it's doing the thing that I was basically saying before, mm -hmm. which is I think there is a... It's easy to sort of put this movie in the box of like social commentary movie about cancel culture, but it's that's, not about that's that. a very limited, narrow view of what I think Todd Field is really doing here. Okay. My, yeah. I was so going to say about Hold Richard on, hold Brody, on. Let me just finish my point on this and then I'm going to hand it up to you because I have a lot to say. But this is about narcissistic personality disorder. This is about somebody who has an EGOT, right? They've won everything. They've crafted this person, this image of themselves, and they have a blind spot. They don't realize they have narcissistic personality disorder. That's the whole point of that disease. And you look at everybody around you as objects, as tools to be manipulated like pieces on a chessboard. Now, some of the chess pieces are more important than others to her. Maybe her daughter, maybe her, her partner, uh, maybe the latest fling in her orchestra. All of these different pieces, though, are chess pieces in her game to build a brand that is tar. And this film is more analogous. It is not about cancel culture. It is not about identity politics. It's about what you see in a film like The Conversation, Taxi Driver, Macbeth, Full Metal Jack, Falling Down, The Shining. It's about the descent into madness of a person who is so obsessed with themselves and whatever they're building in the world. That is what this film is about. And it is going to go down in the in the uh, pantheon 
of films in Descent into Madness, when people make a list about characters losing it, Taxi Driver, Full Metal Jacket, well, I don't know what else you put in there, Lon, because you're better at this than I am, Conversation Shining, this Lots will be ones. in that 10 list of Descent <laughs> into Madness performances. And that is what the film is ultimately about. Okay, that's the first part of our TAR review, Molly. Yes. Now, this is uh, This Week in Startups. It's not about movies. We understand that. But we do This Week streaming because streaming is a big part of startups and uh, the technology industry. But we went so crazy. There's <laughs> another 50 minutes about TAR, which all three of us are going to give our ratings for. And we're going to drop that on Christmas morning. A little, a little stocking stuffer for the we're This like Week in Startups elves. audience. We're like little elves right now. Yeah, we just jumped down your fireplace and we boop, beep. We put yeah, a little we extra like and we're going to name it This Week in Streaming. So look for that in your feed on Christmas morning. And enjoy. Merry All Christmas. Right, enjoy the show, everybody. Okay, Merry Christmas, everybody.